0: Mm. Mm. Ain't to Real one. Ain't to
1: Boss. Welcome to ain't Purposely to Bossing it. Up, where we talk about bossing ain't up in business, but we always talk about bossing up in life. Hey y'all, this your girl T, the host of Purposely Boston Up, and I'm so excited to have you guys here to listen to another episode of this amazing podcast. Of course, we are still talking about Boston up in literacy and education, so let me introduce our next guest. Dr. Kelly Hall is a board-certified emergency physician who is currently practicing in Charlotte, North Carolina. Dr. Hall is among the 4% of African-American women who are MDs in the entire United States. She has participated in various blogs, such as Lovely Spirit women in white coats, and a contributing author in the soon-to-be-published The HBCU experience. This amazing doctor has also recently completed her memoir, I Am the Beat, which she encourages readers to use their faith to navigate through hardship and uncertain times. The book is a very candid insight to her journey and perseverance in the middle of questionable situations. Dr. Kelly decided at an early age that she would pursue the medical field. However, she learned over time that this field was not what she expected and quickly started looking at the patients as obstacles to finishing tasks. Dr. Hall is not only a two-time best-selling author, the HBCU alumni is also the owner of NC Dance District, Inc., which is a hip-hop dance studio. So I introduce to you all Dr. Kelly Hall. Hello, Kelly. Hello. (laughs) How are you today? I am booked and blessed, honey. (laughs) Listen, <laughs> I know that's right, okay? We like books, okay? We like books. Yes, but you know, there's a lot right. of people out here talking about they booked and busy, but they right. not even being productive.
0: So mm-hmm. it's like, don't even use the line if you ain't going to do it right. Hey, listen, if you're not blessed in your booked and busy, then it doesn't matter anyway. How about to Jesus, hallelujah. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Not in
1: the building. Okay, listen, that's a whole nother conversation. Okay, we're gonna knock this one out today. We're gonna knock okay. this one out, and then we're gonna go into a whole nother conversation later, <laughs> right? Oh, my goodness! But I'm super excited to have you on here today, and you are actually my second guest for season four, so I'm super excited. Hey, hey. yes, so. I always start my podcast off with X and my guest census called Purposely Bossing Up. Kelly, what is your definition or meaning
0: of purpose? Purpose? Yes. It is what God put you on this earth to do. And um, the thing is, I used to think that you could only have one purpose at one time or that um, your purpose had to be like a permanent thing, but you can shift it. It doesn't have to stay the same Um, there's different seasons and sometimes it's time for you to leave one purpose and shift into another which is what I am doing now
1: (laughs) yes yes and and it is so true like you know God has us on earth to do a lot of things you know what I mean so it's like what do I really pay attention to when a lot of people really just don't get it you know they try to skip the process they try to shun the you know the ups and the downs and all that kind of stuff but actually those are all the things you should be embracing because those are what's going to help you tap into your purpose
0: exactly and um you know you have to be you have to tune into his voice and be obedient because um, sometimes you can get so busy that you're not actually hearing him and you're doing you're making your own plan and when you take time to hear what he has to say it's like, oh, is this my plan or is this what God wants me to do? And sitting still and being quiet is how you differentiate which is which. Absolutely. That that quiet time is very, very important. It is. <laughs> so still, sit still, sat down somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> S-A-T. Oh, my goodness.
1: Okay. yes, yeah, sat. Sat. Okay.
0: <laughs> Not sit, guys. Sat. Okay. Sat. I've used sat down a few times. Okay. Right. Oh, oh don't, look! Don't let him do it to you too, because it's embarrassing when he sats you down. And they don't even in. know how long you're going to be sitting. Okay, like, in timeout, time man. Real
1: big timeout. That's like timeout way bigger than your on Earth parents. Okay, okay. that timeout is real.
0: Yeah, and it's embarrassing.
1: <laughs> That's the part.
0: Oh my goodness! If you had one word to describe yourself, what would it be and why? Ooh, that's hard because I have like five different personalities in this body. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use the one that encompasses them all. Uh, I'm going to say extraordinary. Okay. And why? Because, um, I am not your typical doctor. I'm not your typical, um, uh, business owner. I'm not your typical writer. I'm not your typical anything. I, um, do a lot and I like to intermingle them so that I don't have to necessarily be one or the other. For the longest time I would compartmentalize myself into different mm. people. And um, you know, this person would the doctor would show up in the hospital or in urgent care. And um the drum major would show up at AT and the dancer would show up at the dance studio. And now I'm starting to get to the point to where I feel like I don't have to be boxed into one particular personality, but I can be all of them.
1: Yes. You have to figure out like, okay, I wear a lot of hats, but how can I just wear like one hat and just cover all of it?
0: You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Or, you know, sometimes in life you have to shed a hat and put it aside and sit it on the corner for a little bit and maybe you'll pick it back up. Maybe you won't do notes.
1: That is absolutely correct. I've definitely done that a few times Mm -hmm. in my lifetime. Okay. Definitely have. I can agree to that. And I'm sure some listeners can agree to that as well. Oh, yes. So, you know, growing up, we've had um, mentors and um, role models. Yes. Who were those key people in your life and did it change over the years?
0: Yes. Yes. Pretty much any woman in the Oxford Henderson alumni chapter of Delta Sigma Theta was my mentor. Um, My mom is a Delta and that's who I grew up around. That's what I grew up around. My father is an Omega. So I have a bunch of surrogate mothers and a bunch of surrogate fathers. And so early on, it was these people um, that were my mentors and the people that I looked up to. And then around high school, about to go to college. I um, met the legendary drum major, Anthony Chris, uh, one of the best drum majors in of all time for the Blue and Gold March Machine in North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University, Aggie Pride. And he became my mentor for the whole drum major thing. And that's a whole other can of worms. But um, at a and I am not calling myself this. this, is what they call me. They call me a legend. And I learned from another legend. So he became my mentor for that. And then older sorority sisters um, in Tau Beta Sigma, the band sorority, they became my mentors. Um, and then, you know, in medical school, you, you get other mentors. So I've had mm-hmm. different mentors all along. And then suddenly I became a mentor and I actually have a mentor now in this whole dance studio thing. And that's my business partner, Anna O'Boisey. She is fabulous. Uh, But she ran the studio many years before I did, and um, she's still very much a part of the studio, but I handle most of the actual logistics of running the business, so I can be the business while she can be the creative, and it helps us to expand the brand a whole lot more than one person just doing everything.
1: That is awesome. I'm glad you had that, that tribe of individuals who help mold you into the individual that you are today. Um, I really honestly feel that when you have that number, you know, that big of a number of individuals that are pouring into you, no matter what stage you are in your life, that's truly a blessing. But Mm -hmm. even those who don't have those good mentors or role models in their lives, they still eventually learn from someone else maybe like a teacher or you know, someone, an old lady who lived across the street. You know, you just never know. And it's just so good that you had that setup. Girl, that setup was for you.
0: Or the other thing is, and this is why I wrote my memoir, is because um I figured so I, I had a mentee that um I truly changed her life. She tells me that all the time. And if she had never encountered me, who knows? Like now. She is in her first year of OBGYN residency at Johns Hopkins um, in Baltimore. And so she she credits the the change in the trajectory of her life to me, which is like amazing. But I wrote the book because I said, well, if I could change her life by just speaking into her, telling her about my life, how many people's lives could I change by writing about it? So you don't even Mm -hmm. necessarily have to be able to physically touch a mentor. Mm -hmm. As long as you just pick one that's doing what you want and, you know, it can be a Zoom sort of thing, or it could be you just read all about them and learn about them and just kind of constantly watch them and learn their moves. And sometimes that's the the way that you can uh, learn from a mentor. They don't even have to know that they're a mentor necessarily, Thanks. but you're learning from them anyway.
1: Yes, that's absolutely true. That's definitely absolutely true. So before we get into your memoir, we going to go back a little bit. Let's go. So <laughs> let's talk about what sparked the, the notion of becoming a doctor. You know, like we as children, you know, we in the second and third grade. What do you want to be when
0: you grow up? Did you say a doctor or did you say something else? No, actually, my mother tells me from the age of two. I said that I wanted to be a doctor. What uh-uh. a two-year-old. No, no lies. That's what she said. Now, I don't remember being two. So... <laughs> You know, I'm just going to take her word for it. Um, But I will say she did um, tell me that she ran into my kindergarten teacher uh, when I was in medical school and um, she was asking about me. And my mom was like, yeah, she's in medical school now. And she said, I always knew that child was going to do something special because when other girls were playing with dolls, you know, playing house and that sort of thing, I'm saying with the doll that I'm holding, I'm going to deliver this baby. Like, what? Girl. That's a God thing. Okay. Um, I know my grandmother wanted one of her kids to be a doctor, and none of them did. I mean, they mm-hmm. got went and got educated and graduated from college and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I I don't have a doctor in my family other than me, but my grandma prayed that thing into me. I believe it. Um glory God. <laughs> so so yes, I said something at a young age and I actually went ahead and did it. Wow.
1: That Sex. is amazing. <laughs> and, you know, like I always tell people it's amazing to meet individuals that look like me mm-hmm. that serve in these capacities. Because when I was younger, I didn't have a black doctor. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. have a black nurse. hmm. And that I, be, I didn't have any black
0: any black doctors. Any Interestingly black doctor. enough, I knew black doctors, black dentists, black lawyers. Like wow. I knew a lot. Uh, and my dad worked as uh, a district manager for Congresswoman Eva Clayton when I was in medical school. So mm-hmm. I grew up around all these influential people. And to me, it was just a normal thing. Whereas right. when I uh, talked to other people, my mentee, for example, before she met me, she had never seen a black doctor. And I was like, are you kidding me? You live in Charlotte. We're like the next best thing to DC and Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So and I'm like, what do you mean you've never seen a black doctor before? she said before working in the emergency department with you all, I, I hadn't. And that just mm-hmm. baffled my mind. But like I said, for me, I knew all these, you know, influential people. And I grew up in a rural area and never knew that I grew up in a rural area, an area of poverty, like, Mm. because it was farming land, farming country. Mm. Okay. And um, so I never knew that theoretically I shouldn't have succeeded just because of where I grew up. Um, You know, my friends, we all were cultured and traveled. And um, so I didn't realize until I graduated and was in medical school that Yeah, you grew up in an area of poverty. I knew a lot of my friends or a lot of my classmates didn't have some of the things that I had or some of the experiences that I had. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as a child or, you know, growing up, you kind of see what's put around you. So environment is 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 one of the things. But you can overcome your environment by just being taken out of your environment for even little pockets of time and experiencing other things. No, that's true.
1: That's true. Now, when you were, you know, studying in medical school and then becoming a doctor, what do you feel maybe have been your
0: biggest challenge to get where you are today? I would say so in in all throughout school up to college, I was one of the top performing students. So when I got to medical school, you know, we're all top performing students. (laughs) So somebody has to creep towards the bottom. So overcoming the mindset of, and also I always went to predominantly black schools. So medical school was East Carolina, um, predominantly white institution. So it was a culture shock. One, for one thing, I mean, I had white classmates, but not being around a supportive group of black students was something that I had to overcome because I was used to it. I was used to people being like me or growing up like me or understanding certain things because they were like me okay you okay go. i was like what here we go. <laughs> okay and so when I got to medical school and didn't really have a lot in common with a lot of my classmates other than my black classmates because mm-hmm. um you know there's like about 13 of us in, in my class out of 72 74. And um, a lot of us had gone to HBCUs or were in fraternities and sororities. So I had that little, you know, click that I could bond with. But my my white um, classmates, um, a lot of them were different as far as how they grew up. And so just getting used to the fact that I didn't have that large supportive network was something that I had to overcome because suddenly it was like, nobody cares. (laughs) right? Whereas previously, you know, there was always somebody that was in my corner or was speaking positivity into me. And suddenly I had to speak positivity into myself because of course my classmates, I mean, we're all in the same boat, like we're trying trying to pass this test. So um, it was basically just kind of make it on your own. Although I did have a, a good study buddy and um, white, a white chick, Jocelyn's her name. I love her. Um, and she just didn't see color, which is interesting. You know, mm-hmm. you always say, well, no, people see color. Like she's one of those people that really doesn't really see color. So I'm, I was thankful that I had her um, as my study buddy because she's smart. She's an orthopedic surgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So um, so I did have people, but it wasn't that whole network of people that adored me and loved me for all the things that I did. And, you know, it's like, OK, great. So you're the first people drum major. Who cares? <laughs> that's what I, that's that's what it was in, in medical school. It was like none of that. Yeah, you can manage your behind off. What did that do for a patient? no one cared right. <laughs> so it it was me overcoming the fact that people didn't see me as this great amazing human being in medical school it was like okay you're another person like i'm a
1: person right right this is wow she said i had to get it together it was like yeah. a, oh a reality yeah. check like yo sis <laughs> like nobody cares going <laughs> <down."> <laughs> right this is what's going down and
0: we don't care <laughs> So suddenly it's like, oh, crap, like, not only uh, do I not have really much in common with them, but they can't even understand where uh, I came from, nor do right. they care. And I am not the smartest anymore. So it was like all that at one time, dramatically, was, was wow. something I had to overcome. Wow, that's crazy. But hey, this is the life we
1: live in. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't get the chance to go to an all black school. I was supposed to go to the state. But then after a while, it was like, let's figure out how much money we're going to be spending if I go Mm -hmm. to this school versus staying in state. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. I embrace every bit of my PWI experience because there was a lot of us in there. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. it was definitely a lot of us, but I was only around the corner from Cheney and Dell State and, yes. and, and Morgan and Lincoln. So I was partially in the black experience. Okay, don't get me. Listen, okay, you couldn't tell me I couldn't, I didn't go to none of these schools as much as I was there. Okay,
0: that's I like people that went to UNCG that will always come to party at A&T. Like, <laughs> I mean, be at life.
1: oh my goodness, I wasn't matriculating, no credit. But I was always there. there. You were there. I was always there. (laughs) Yeah, I was always there. So we're a doctor and we're also an owner of the North Carolina Dean's District, Inc. Tell me a little bit about that. What kind of sparked that
0: up? So when I decided to leave the emergency department, that was suddenly I had time and energy to do other things (laughs) that I used to love to do the emergency department sucks the life out of you. It's it's stressful. And you don't realize how stressful it is until you're out. And then I was like, how in the world did I do this for 13 years? And why am I still sane? <laughs> that is the question. But got into urgent care and um, had a more consistent schedule, had more energy. So, I was about to turn 40 I said, you know what? I actually need to start exercising or doing something because even though I look fit, I was not doing any exercising. Like <laughs> my numbers looked great. My body looked great. But if I tried to run a flight of steps, then I'm like, like, <laughs> so said, you know what? Someone needs to exercise. Um, so I did a little yoga, you know, did some, some stuff. And I was like, none of this is fun. <laughs> right. So, Although yoga is great for my body, um, because with all the activities that I did, I got aches and pains and right. cracks and hops and all that and joints, but it wasn't fun. It was just my like, thing. okay, great. This is this is cool, but it's boring. Um, so then I was at a community service day for Delta Sigma Theta, and my now business partner, Anna, came and taught our teens a uh, dance class. And I had so much fun. Like, I think I had more fun than the teens did. So I said, <laughs> um, and she said, yeah, I run a dance studio and, you know, come check it out. And so I did, I started like cyber stalking her. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, she's like legit. Like she had danced with um, like Aisha Francis who uh, did the choreography for Beyonce. And, you know, she was this like fitness guru with T mm-hmm. with size and, and had, had worked with all these different people. And, um, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to the studio. So I, I came and it was like probably three weeks later. And as I'm signing in, I see her in the corner. And then she was just like, you was at community day, weren't you? And I was like, oh, she remembered me, (laughs) you know, like this phenomenal choreographer dancer remembered me. So Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, awestruck because of that. And then, um, from the first class I was in, and we have a um, seasonal performance that we do. So I was in it. And up to that point, I had only taken beginner classes because even though mm-hmm. I'm a natural dancer, I had never taken hip hop dance classes. So mm-hmm. that's why okay. I was like, I'm starting beginner because learning choreography is not easy. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you can look at a video and do cute little, you know, TikTok dances and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's learning that is fine. But learning 30 seconds, 45 seconds of choreography is not as easy as it looks, people. Right. So um, I stayed a beginner for like six months. And then the night of the dress rehearsal for the show, I saw what everybody else was doing. And I was like, oh, oh, wait a minute. So this is what we're doing up in the (laughs) studio? I was like, wait a minute. I'm about to get into these other classes. So Through that show, I was taking like every class that I could, and me and and Anna became like close friends. And then at one point, she had closed the studio. And so um, she was actually moving out to LA and moved out to LA for a couple months. And I was like, I I feel like I need to keep the studio open. Now, mind you, I just signed a contract with a medical group for four years. So I'm stuck in this contract and I'm trying to figure out how I'm supposed to do it because. She was 24 seven, this studio, you know, and I'm like, I can't run this by myself. But so I'm thinking I'm gonna do this later. Um, And when we were talking things through, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this now. But, you know, I want to buy into your brand or franchise your brand. She's like, yeah, perfect. And at some point, God was like, yeah, so you need to do this like now before the brand dies. And so it's okay. Once again, I'm thinking maybe a year and a half off. So Anna and I are talking, we're meeting, and she's like, "Yes, yeah, so this is October." She's like, "Yeah, so I think we should like open up in January." And I'm like, "January what?" <laughs> <laughs> so hey, January 2020, and I'm like, oh, "Okay." But the interesting thing is, I actually trust her so much that I was like, and I was stepping out on faith, which was up to that point, um, you know, you think you have faith in God until you really have faith in God and really step Man. out and do and stop trying to dictate what happens in your life. And so I was like, you know what, we're just going to do this. Look, sure. Why not? And right. uh, yeah, so we relaunched after being closed for like six months, we relaunched right before the pandemic. <laughs> wow. We opened and then we shut down for like six months. Brand. I mean, it's essentially a brand new business because now we're incorporated because initially it was LLC. So Mm. a different tax ID number. So you can't, there's like not record of this being an established business. So glory to God, we have made it through the pandemic up to this point and are actually re we're growing back to where we were previously. And um glory to God, we're gonna be off to the races next year.
1: Yes, that is amazing. I tell people all the time, like, you know, you'll bump into individuals, you'll meet them here, there, or anywhere, and you never know what the real connection is really going to be between Mm -hmm. you two. Like, I was just literally having a conversation with a girl I met 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. and we met in one environment, and then just the other day, she was like, T, who would ever thought that we would
0: click somewhere else? Like, it was just like, it's just crazy. You just never know. Well, I saw Dance District... Like the the dancers, probably let's see it was twenty twelve. I want to say I saw them like seven years prior because wow. they they performed at uh, Taste of Charlotte, and which is like Taste of Chicago. Um, and you know I'm eating, and they're on the main stage, and I stopped and I'm like, oh, this is cute. Like you know, sit there and watch for about five minutes. You know, get in because they were doing like um the cupid shuffle, or like one of those little little mm-hmm. dances, so that the crowd could join in. And so I'm sitting there dancing along with it, and it was like, "All right, cool, let's go." And like, <laughs> but going on, and continued to, you know, I'm more food. So, wow. The, yeah, it was years later that she was brought back, and who knows? Maybe I was not obedient then. It was supposed to <laughs> to do something then, but right? Like, uh, not really, because she said there was a time frame in the middle of that where I kind of revamped and had to let go of some people Mm -hmm. and so she was like no you actually came in at a good time because you came in back then who knows if you would have stayed so um yeah so it's it's just I think that was just a foreshadowing to be like you know just a reminder because I'm a person that sometimes I'm like okay I'm not really sure that was God but by the third time (laughs) like okay God I hear you (laughs) right
1: Right, right, right. I had one of those moments last, yesterday, yesterday. And I was like, "Hmm, what kind of event am I going to plan for the end of the year? And then as soon as I laid down last night, God downloaded the whole plan Mm. in my head, all the way down to the people I was going to use. So I said, you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to reach out to all these people. Can I tell you that every person I reached out to said, okay, I'm there. How you need me? That's beautiful.
0: That is, because you you can't, you can't pay for that. Mm-mm, like, for, not. for God to give you the entire plan, because, so, right now, all I know is I'm supposed to be, you know, writing another book and running this studio, like, I don't have a game plan, because, you know, I quit my job, I, I'm literally going to not be working as a doctor starting next Friday, this Friday, coming up. <laughs> <laughs> so that in itself, because my whole entire identity has been as she's either going to medical school or she's in medical school or she's working as a doctor. So I don't know what it's like to not have medicine at the forefront. And so I have, I I don't have the whole plan. And the thing is, sometimes you just have to take that initial step and God will start revealing things. So for you to have the whole plan, like I'm waiting for him to be, to give me the plan like that. Cause I'm like, okay, God, where's the next check coming from, sir? He gonna let you know, sis. He gonna let you know. Right, you know, I was like, but, but the thing is, I'm actually, you know, every once in a while I have a panic moment, like, oh my God, like <laughs> that check that I love is not going to be there. Um, And then I'm like, you know what? But the peace that I'm going to have from just being right. able to like sleep until I don't, feel like sleeping anymore. And then I get to come to my studio and do what I love. And I get mm-hmm. to encourage people and uh, feed into people without having to worry about the next patient. Like the thing that I did love about medicine was talking to people and feeding into them, mm-hmm. and, you know, just like literally helping them. But ah, medicine these days, <laughs> people, once again, they think they know more than you. They come in with what they want which may not be what is needed Mm -hmm. and then I don't have time to sit and talk to some people and explain some things because I got the next patient and the next patient is mad because I've been here five minutes why hasn't anyone seen me yet like you know it's 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 so it's a thankless job at some point yeah and um this you know this whole dance studio thing is this is god's studio anna says it all the time um because she was in a place and the studio is what helped her and we serve from the beginner to the professional in this studio like Mm -hmm. if you have never danced before we got a class for you if you are training to be a professional dancer most of my choreographers are professional dancers we got Mm -hmm. you and wherever you are in 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 that range we are going to feed into you and encourage you and help you live your best life and be your best self and that's what i love about the studio is that i get to encourage people on my own terms without having to worry about the next person or right um, no i i got i gotta to go to the next room because i'm on a time crunch i get to just talk as as long as i can stay awake <laughs> and literally we stay at the studio sometimes till like one and two in the morning just talking is yeah, it'd
1: be mind. like that. hmm It'd definitely be like that from time to time.
0: hmm so, so yeah, to have that whole plan outlined is, a, is amazing. I'm waiting for him to download the whole plan to me. So right. I, like, I was like, oh, I got it. Boom. Let's go. I was like, this what you want me to do? That's
1: beautiful. I'm like, let me still. They have. Let it be fresh on my head tomorrow morning. So right. First thing in the morning. Remember, because a system <laughs> so down. Write division right division make it pain. <laughs> absolutely okay oh my gosh but yes so let's get into this memoir yes and it is called i am the beat okay period period tell us about this book because i know it coincides
0: with you being a drum major as well exactly so it's, it's actually from birth to residency and it outlines the path that I took to be a doctor. And so much of my life is I um, credit to my upbringing. And the drum major thing is a big thing because being the first female drum major, uh, it actually, I wrote about it in my personal statement. So for medical school, you have to, as part of the application, you have to write a personal statement and you basically pick whatever you want to um, little nugget for anyone that's going to medical school, especially if you are a minority, write about what adversity you've overcome and you're sure to get in medical school. <laughs> but either way, um, right. So I actually wrote about being the first female drum major at AT and basically how that shaped who I was. And at East Carolina, two out of three of my interviews, we spoke about that. So um, we didn't talk about it at Chapel Hill. I didn't make it into Chapel Hill. I was on the wait list, your loss, Um, (laughs) but it's fine. I'm not bitter. So I believe that me being the first female drum major actually helped me get into medical school. So despite the fact that it has nothing to do with medical school, it helped me get in. And um, people actually still recognize me as the drum major because I always go back for homecoming like every year and mm-hmm. I continue to march and, you know, do my little thing and I learn the newer stuff as well so that I can stay relevant. If you'd be like, dang girl, you still got it. Yes, I do. But yeah, so the, the memoir basically talks about the path that I took to get into medical school and and once I got into residency, like I had to overcome stuff in residency um, just like doubting myself, or you know, suddenly not being the top of the, the the curve anymore. And the whole book is basically just to tell people that whatever obstacle, whatever adversity you have, um, you can't overcome it if you're listening to God, if you're tuning in to what He has to say, if you're following His plan, and you don't have to follow the cookie-cutter plan because For instance, I had a guidance counselor, and I know she did it as she thought she was helping me. She basically told my parents that I needed to apply to USC Chapel Hill for undergrad if I wanted to go to medical school. Because, God forbid, you go to an HBCU, you're never going to make it into medical school. Lies and deception. Like, 60% Mm -hmm. of the people that are in medical school went to an HBCU. So, boom. But she wanted me to apply to Chapel Hill because she thought that was the way that I should go to get into medical school. Mm -hmm. Well, that wasn't the plan that God had for me, nor would it have fit me because I'd have got to Chapel Hill and had that whole, um, you know, culture shock that I had when I was at East Carolina. And so with me already knowing who I am and being confident in myself, because I went to an HBCU, I was able to survive in medical school. I don't think it would have been that way if I if I had gone to Chapel Hill in undergrad because I wasn't confident in who I was at that point. So either way, it's it's basically to say you can overcome it the way that God intended for you to do. Yes, everybody, get your own copy, please do, because um, she doesn't have her doctor check anymore. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> Yes, very and very truthful. <laughs> oh my I'm goodness! Sorry. I actually refer to myself in the third person a lot. It's it's listen, a bad at It's <laughs> all right. It's all right. But she got she got like five personalities. So you gotta you know she's she <laughs> listen
1: listen. I'm gonna get me a copy, please do. And you, can get on my website, then I can actually sign
0: it for you because I'll be the one.
1: That's what I'm gonna do. But you couldn't mm-hmm. tell me I wasn't a drum major, okay? Let me tell you something. Drumline <laughs> is one of my favorite movies, okay? Everybody watched movie. They was in the band. <laughs> <laughs> I was everything. See, as a kid, my mom had me because I'm the only child, so I had I was involved in a lot of extracurricular activities. Right, I danced as well. I danced for six years. I did ballet, tap, and hip hop, and mm-hmm. then. I stopped doing that. I got into some modeling, but I also drummed okay. too. Oh nice. Listen, you couldn't tell me I wasn't multi-talented. So I go. was drumming for a little bit, drummed all through elementary school. <laughs> and then middle school, I ran a little bit of track. I didn't feel like it no more. Yeah, my legs were hurting a little bit. Then I went into high school, played volleyball for a year.
0: That was just too played much. Played volleyball in middle school. I did everything too.
1: <laughs> See, and I was just like, you know what? I'm over it. Mm. <laughs> I don't feel like it anymore. But Didn't when I came out, hunting, you could tell me I wasn't everything in that movie. Okay. The dancers, I was everything. I was doing it all, girl. You couldn't have tell to- listen, you couldn't have told me nothing. <laughs> okay. I was like, all these little documentaries that now they're putting on like Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that. I'm like, are there any girl drum majors?
0: That was a yes. question. Cause they don't highlight them. Right. And they should. Well, so interestingly enough, now it's become like the cool thing to do, to like throw a female drum major in the mix. But I did it in the 90s when it wasn't the cool thing. So there's that. Um, but no, I actually know a, a quite a few female drum majors because I actually reached out on Facebook. Um, I think I was like in, I forgot what which kind of group I was in. I'm in so many different Facebook groups, but um. I and it may have been the band fraternity sorority. And I basically was like, um, where where are the female drum majors? I, I just want to know where we are. But I actually saw a female drum major at South Carolina State the year before I became drum major. So I mean, there are some out there, um, not that many. It is a select few, but I know one from Jackson State, I know one from Central, I know one from South Carolina State. Fayetteville State actually had probably mm-hmm. the first female drum majors ever, like, back in the 50s, I think. Um, yeah, so, like, they had two female drum majors and, like, no male drum majors at that time. So, And I know one that's become the one of FAMU that became the first female drum major there um, a few years back. And then I've met a couple, or not met in person, but met online or socially, mm-hmm. uh, the ones from uh, Alcorn, Mm-hmm. and so th- there are there are female drum majors out there we're, we're scattered and we're few but we're out there Gremlin has one this year mm. so yeah they're out there and Beyonce missed a whole opportunity to have me out there like so I mean she, she was a drum major in her in her Coachella performance so I get it but I feel like Beyonce I mean I got your hair you missed hey. out on having a pure HBCU female drum major. I mean, thanks. Guys, so next time someone is looking for a female drum major, you know where to find me.
1: At Easy <laughs> <Issy Daniel's
0: district. laughs> or at Antique, because I'm either gonna be by the band or I'm gonna be in my studio. Those are the two places I reside. <laughs>
1: Listen, yes, 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 yes. So I'm very predictable. You- Listen, you get busy and stuff, and I'm big on self-care, taking care of myself and all that other stuff. How how do you get the
0: pour back into yourself? So for the longest time I didn't, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I learned is not a good thing, but the studio is my self-care. Like I just love to dance. Music is my thing. And you turn on the right song, and I'm just like, let's go. <laughs> Um, it's, it's in my spirit. It's in my bones. I can't help it. So, um, I, I, this is fun for me. So I'm kind of now taking care of myself, but beyond that, I try to designate at least one day per week to just kind of chill a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to incorporate more spa days. I do like maybe two spa days a year, which, and it's because I go to an expensive spa. So that's what it is. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a little bougie sometimes. And so (laughs) I just want to go and like sit in the sauna and, you know, in in a nice place with nice plush, Terry Roads, you know, Mm -hmm, all that. mm -hmm. So, um, but it's expensive. So I'm like, yeah, we ain't doing this too often. Um, (laughs) but I I'm, I'm getting better at it. Like I said, shedding the doctor for a little bit is going to mm-hmm. help. Um, because that is a source of a lot of stress, which yeah. is unfortunate. Um, and it's only gotten worse because like I said, medicine is not what it initially was. Mm-hmm. And, um, no one signs up for a deadly pandemic. No one even imagines my- that when in medical school mm-hmm. and you don't imagine that it a mask and a vaccine can become so political. Like, like, what does that have to do with science? There's facts and then there's politicians. And like, suddenly we're listening to the politicians and not the facts. Get your vaccine, people. Y'all heard her. Point blank period. I volunteered for the study. So I've been vaccinated an entire year. Wow. And I ain't got no third eyes, although it would be cute, these hazel eyes. Um, <laughs> no, I ain't, got, I ain't grow no wings. Um, I got I still got on my toes. Like whatever y'all think is gonna happen, it's not gonna happen. Death will happen due to COVID. Death is not happening due to the vaccine. Facts. Stop mm-hmm. listening to social media. Listen to a doctor.
1: Listen to a doctor, y'all. Heavy ears out to the street. There's okay. that part. <laughs> That's a
0: whole other bitter conversation.
1: Girl, yes. I don't know. I understand. I understand. Mm -hmm. Now, if you can give young Kelly a piece of advice, what would you tell her?
0: I would say do... Oh, I know what I would say. I would say what I tell my mentees now is to have a backup plan for when medicine stresses you out. You think you're going into medicine to practice for 30, you know, 35 years, whatever, those days are gone because medicine has become such a business and it's less about patient care and more about money and you realize that CEOs who have a business degree and do not know what it takes to be a doctor or to clinically practice are the ones that are kind of running the show and determining um, your staffing and they cut staffing and basically make money decisions as opposed to patient care center decisions. And I'm probably getting myself into trouble by saying all of this because, (laughs) because most hospital systems are, are, you know, large businesses Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it's frustrating. And luckily, glory to God, I haven't out, but there are so many doctors nurses you know medical professionals that are like I want to get out but I don't know what else to do like it it sounds funny to say but I'm not qualified to do anything else but be a doctor (laughs) (laughs) so I was like for five years I'm sitting there like god I can't do this much longer like what is the plan I got to find something else to do and he answered my prayers and and you know I wrote a book and my business partner popped into my life and and they yeah. we were running the studio together. So I have an out now. And you know, it's it's not gonna be it's something that's developing, put it that way. So it's not all, you know, cookies and cream and and you know, there's the financial aspect, you know, I'm running a business. So right. People have to come to my business in order for me to make money. So, you know, there's still a pandemic out there. So the numbers aren't where they were prior to the pandemic. But on the same token, I'm like, God's going to take care of me. So I would tell my young self to have a backup plan and not work so hard that you can't hear what God is saying. Or don't be so busy that you're not paying attention to what he's saying. Like, lean on him. Yeah. Trust I him. Lean on the Lord. Trust him. Trust yes. him in all thine understanding. Yes, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. 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 So do, do you have anything coming up that you can tell our listeners about that they should be on the lookout for?
0: I am actually going to start writing memoir number two, which is from Dr. The Dancer. So I gave mm-hmm. a little I gave a little snippet at the end of the memoir, just talking about how I got into this whole studio thing. So, you know, it's but, but in the meantime, the, it's been interesting. This this um, part of my life, you know, um, our medical group, we try to get out of the corporate world of medicine mm-hmm. and merge with another company and. All of this is public knowledge, so don't be coming after me, people, lawyers. But um, we resigned. Mm -hmm. A month later, they fired us, and then there was lawsuits. So, in a pandemic, um, a medical group fired 41 (laughs) doctors. Oh, wow. So, so I'm trying to figure out how to write that portion of my memoir without getting into legal trouble. Right but it's going to be juicy, And I'm going to tell all the things that you don't know about medicine and how y'all as patients be trying to treat us as robots. We are not robots. We have feelings. We have needs. We have emotions. Um, So it's going to kind of be like a tell-all into why I'm leaving medicine. Mm -hmm. I, I may jump back in. Who knows? I don't know. The good Lord will tell me what to do. But for right now she's not going to be practicing medicine for the rest of this year because she needs a break because people wife. are exhausting. And, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm actually going to be working on memoir number two, you know, building up the studio and in the name of Jesus, he's going to find a way for me to get on TV. I mean, um, reality show, divorce from medicine, like, you know, there's married to medicine. How about divorce right. from <laughs> 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 You know, I just like, somebody put me on TV because these eyes are made for TV. Okay, look at them, look at them. Mm. If y'all think I'm funny, my business partner is like 10 times funnier than I am. And then the two of us together, it's like funny amplified.
1: Oh my goodness. This is just too much fun. Tell the people how they
0: can keep up with you, get in contact with you, all that good stuff. So my personal website is drkellywvault.com. That is... E-R-K-E-L-L-Y-E-W-E-H-A-L-L dot com. My IG, follow me, everybody, because it's real cool. I got dance videos and everything. So everyone spells my name wrong. So my IG name is kind of shady. It's um Kelly, don't forget the E. <laughs> so that's K-E-L-L-Y-E-D-O-N-T, the number four, T-H-E underscore G-E, forget, G E T V T H E underscore E. Don't forget the E okay kelly don't forget the e if you just type in k-e-l-l-y-e then i pop up because there's not that many kelly's with a y-e but that's my ig um my studio is nc dance district you can find us on ig youtube facebook and our website is ncdancest.com and yeah that is all my my parts
1: yeah so before we go Can you give our listeners a piece
0: of advice in regards to bossing up, not just in business, but also in life? As always, listen to God first, hear him, study his word, listen to what he says, and believe that you can do it. Regardless of what people tell you, regardless of how they tell you to do it, do it your way. Be unapologetically you and just do the darn thing. Yeah. Do it afraid. Even if you're afraid, do it. That's afraid. right. Do it scared, y'all. Do it
1: scared. Yes. Do it scared. Well, Kelly, you were amazing. Thank and you. I thank you so much for being on here today. This was, like, fun. This, this was definitely I <laughs> a vibe. This was definitely a vibe. Y'all, y'all, she done dropped some gems. She told y'all what to be on the lookout for. She said you can follow her on all social media platforms, the dance studio platform. You know you gotta stay in the mix, and with Listen. that being said, I mean, come on, and she done gave you everything. Everything, follow I me, mean. <laughs> yeah. And with that being said, I hope everybody has an amazing day and continue to boss up with purpose. Mm. Mm. Ain't none to it, real one. Ain't
0: none to it,
1: boss. Thank you for listening to this episode of Purposely Bossing Up. Continue to keep bossing up with purpose.